Welcome to Grace Church Podcast. This is Mary. We hope you're blessed by today's podcast, and we pray that you are changed by today's message. Thanks for tuning in. Do you remember the PBS painter Bob Ross? When I was younger, I didn't understand his appeal. He struck me as boring and odd. His hair was amazing, but beyond that, nothing he did struck me as dynamic. But over the years, I've been fascinated to see new generations discover Bob and even become passionate about him. Today, you can watch several seasons of his artwork on Netflix. I've discovered my own thinking about Bob has also changed. I've come to appreciate his voice. I love the sound the brush makes when he cleans it on the easel. I love how easy he makes painting seem. And even though I know it's not easy for me, I think he's genius. But one thing I've always noticed is how he starts each of his paintings with a background. It's the solid foundation of every one of his paintings. And as I've been thinking about how we as Christians are called to respond in times like these, I think, yes, we are called to be responsible and wise. Yes, we are called to be careful in considering the recommendations from the CDC and other officials. We're called to demonstrate sanity, sympathy, and love, all while praying for those who are affected, praying for those who are working with the affected, and praying for those who are working to prevent and contain and eradicate this virus. As Christians, we are called to those things. But as I think about all that we have and all that we are praying out, as I think as we are living this out, I found myself thinking about Bob Ross's paintings. That is, what's in my foreground and what's in my background. Because you see, I think life, like his paintings, has both a foreground and a background. The foreground are the things that are right in front of us, the things that we easily focus on and can feel that are right on top of us. It's the things that are seen and easily known. But the background of life is the invisible or the unseen spiritual realities that seem behind us or beyond us. Now, to be clear, these things are not to be divided. We should never have an unbiblical divide between the sacred and the secular, the physical and the spiritual. Remember, Jesus is the eternal word made flesh, the divine and the human in one. And just like the foreground and background are two parts of the very same painting and are interconnected and related to each other, so too are the seen and the unseen, the physical and the spiritual that make up the portraits of our lives and of our world. But the trouble is, often, all we focus on is the foreground of our immediate problems, and we lose sight of the unseen, eternal, divine background that is meant to put everything into its proper perspective. So, What's our foreground right now? Well, our foreground right now is that the World Health Organization has officially declared the coronavirus to be a pandemic. Our foreground is the frightening possibility of everyday news reports as we watch and read this virus sweeping across the world. Our foreground is watching this virus affect our society, our economy, and our day-to-day living. That's the foreground. But, but we must remember, that's only the foreground. 
because there's a background. There's spiritual realities and promises that are meant to put all of this into its right perspective. Jesus recognized that both the foreground and background of life are necessary. He's not dismissing the foreground of our lives, but he wants us to see that that's not the whole picture. He wants us to see that our needs are placed on a canvas with a dynamic, colorful background, which is God's character and God's kingdom. And it's in light of that background that I want us to look at something from the scriptures that we see taught today that comes right from our lectionary. And where we see it coming from today is Psalm 23, one of our most familiar psalms. And I want us to read Psalm 23, verse 1, in three different ways. But first, as an aside, let me just say, how good is it for this psalm to come up right now? God knew we needed this. I think it's so, so perfect. But here's the thing I want us to be reminded of. The Lord is my shepherd. Isn't that great? Think about this. I'm going to say this three different ways, and I want you to hear this three different ways. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Each way that I say it brings out something new and rich that we need to hear right now. So let's start with the first one. The Lord is my shepherd. That is he, God, is my shepherd. The creator and maker of all that we see. The one who holds the universe in his hands. The ones who put the stars in the sky and the planets on their courses. This isn't just anyone. This isn't our president with all of his power and authority. This isn't the strongest, most influential, most charismatic person you've ever known who's now on your side. This is the Lord. God himself, who wants you to know right now that he is with you. Second, the Lord is my shepherd. God isn't the shepherd of the whole world or of our nation or even of your family. He is my shepherd. How personal is that? How touching is that? Right now, you have a shepherd. You are being considered and cared for and personally loved, not as a human, but as you. Jonathan, Mary, Bill, Susan, Adam, Nancy, Bob, each one precious in his sight important, significant, so significant that we have a personal what? A personal shepherd. That leads me to the third one. The Lord is my shepherd. That's the third thing that you need to remember from this first verse of Psalm 23. You have a shepherd, a guide, a leader, someone who's looking out for your needs, someone who's looking out for your protection, someone who is intent on no ill befalling you, Someone whose highest goal is to ensure you prosper and you grow and you thrive and flourish. That's the shepherd's job. The Lord is my shepherd is what we read here. And that's the starting place. That's the background on this canvas that is our lives. This time in our life and in our country with this virus unseen and moving who knows where, That's the foreground, but your background is right here. You have the Lord who is your shepherd. So what does that mean? Well, it means Christian peace. It means that we don't have to dig deeper and muster up some peace on our own. It means that we're meant to know something and logically, that logically and spiritually 
literally removes anxiety from us. We have a peace that others don't have because the Lord is my shepherd. That's the background of the canvas of our lives. And it's this background that Jesus wants you to hear, to remember, and to be reawakened to. Because if you don't, and if we're not, there's ultimately no long-term solution for our anxiety. The uh, famous Christian atheist Christopher Hitchens once pointed out in one of his books, there is no escape from anxiety. Now, why did he say that? Because he refused to acknowledge God's background. If we cut God out of the picture, not just any God, but this God, our loving Heavenly Father, our Good Shepherd, if we're not seeing him at all for our problems and our needs, we will always find ourselves choked and suffocated with the constant churning of anxiety. Now, I want to add something here, too. Because in times like this, whenever God is brought into the conversation, the one question people always want to ask is, well, where is he? Where is this good shepherd? Where is God? That's the one question I get most frequently in times like this. And I understand and sympathize with the question. I really do. But I also want to just return the question and say, why do we only ask this question in hard times? Because I know that when the sun is shining, when times are good, when life is comfortable, when our team is winning, our health is strong, and we're lying down in those green pastures that we see in verse 2, I know that then we're not plagued with that question of where is God. But the Bible tells us why we don't ask in those moments. We don't ask because our sin blinds us from the background of God's goodness. So when times are good, we tend to ignore God. But when times are bad, we tend to blame God. Sin blinds us from the background of God's caring love that he gives every single day. And in the day of prosperity, we don't give him credit. And in the day of adversity, we blame him. So I ask you, where is God? Where do you see the good shepherd? Is he with you? Where you are, in your house, in your home, in good days and in bad days? Because he's still the God of Good Friday. He's still the God of Easter Sunday. He is still the God of the spectacular and the God of the ordinary and the mundane. He is the God of the hills and the God of the valleys. He is the God in the midst of our laughter and in the midst of our tears. He is God when the market is up and when the market goes down, he is still God. He is the God of light, and he is God in the darkness. So where is God? He's with you right now. He's in both places. He's in all places. He is carefully and sovereignly in control of it all. He is our ever-present help in time of need, and that's the background I want you to see today. So the problem isn't with God. The problem is with us. The problem is that we forget the true background of our lives. One of my favorite hymn goes, This is my Father's world, and let me ne'er forget that though the wrongs seem oft so strong, God is the ruler yet. Sin blinds us from the background of God's goodness in life, but thankfully Jesus opened the eyes of the blind. This is the background that Jesus is calling our hearts to see with eyes of faith. So, anxiety comes from obsessing over wrong things our immediate issues and asking the wrong questions. What if this? What if that? 
those questions breed anxiety, worry, and fear because we don't know what tomorrow brings. Only God does. The question that brings peace and hope and strength is, who is? Who is my God? Who is my shepherd? And I'll tell you the answer to that because we say it every Sunday. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen, and that is it. That's the background of our life and faith. So what are you focused on? What questions are churning over and over in your heart and in your mind? Whatever they are, do not be anxious. Instead, remember, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, none of us know what are coming in the weeks and months ahead, but it sure doesn't look like hoarding toilet paper. It sure doesn't look like hiding in our basement. I think it looks like Christ and a cross. It looks like running towards the needs of others, not running from them. It should look like us sharing our resources, even to the possibility of our own hurt. It looks like the type of life that only makes sense if heaven is real, if Christ is alive, and if his love is the driving force in our life. Are we going to do that perfectly? Of course not. But thankfully, we know the one who has. From Bethlehem to Calvary, Jesus always lived with the bright background in view. Every day of his life, he had an attitude of peace and sacrificial action of love towards others. Even on the cross, we saw him loving his enemies and saying, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. The very thing that God requires of us, Jesus has already fulfilled for us. For all of those who put their faith in him, we're not saved by our peace and our love. We're saved by his. So if you put your faith in Christ, then the pressure to respond in these challenging times is off. The pressure to be perfect in these moments, don't worry about it because Christ has already done it for you. But at the same time, remember that power, it comes from him and you don't need to be anxious. And if you seek first his kingdom, it's available to you because what did he say right before his departure? He said, my peace I give to you, my spirit I give to you. Brothers and sisters, we live in a fragile and fallen world. As people who call ourselves Christians, we are called to bear witness to the kingdom of Christ. In the weeks and months ahead, the Lord will lead us in ways that help us to do that in creative and helpful ways. And I want you to engage it. So let me close with the story of Tom Chisholm. Thomas Obadiah Chisholm was born in the mid-1800s and at a very early age, he struggled with debilitating health problems. His impaired health often affected everything he did and caused him to fail at almost everything he tried. Well, almost everything he tried. Because Tom was a Christian and he loved to write poetry. And one day in the midst of his ever-changing, disappointing foreground of life, he sat down and wrote a poem about the faithfulness of God. It was a simple poem, penned in faith, that now has become a song sung across the world as a favorite hymn, and you know it. Title of that hymn is Great Is Thy Faithfulness. Brothers and sisters, eternity is long, life is short. And come what may, God our shepherd is great, and great is his faithfulness. And may his faithful character 
and eternal kingdom be the background that transforms the way you live life today. I'm praying for you. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more exclusive Grace Church content, subscribe to this podcast and stay up to date on our website for new postings. God bless.